Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. This is the second show in our Not Just Nuts and Bolts series in partnership with Fastenal. I hope you're enjoying the series so far because we have so much more great content to come. In episode one, we talked to Fastenal CEO and president Dan Flornis to find out exactly who Fastenal are, what they do, and how they've evolved to become a global company with a local focus who are much more than just nuts and bolts. And today in episode two, we're taking a closer look at Fastenal's on-site solutions, their response to the COVID-19 crisis, and how you how we can prepare our businesses and supply chains for the future. So welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you, Sarah. Happy to be here today. I am excited to have you on. I have heard a lot um, about your on-sites and things that you are doing and how your response to the COVID-19 crisis has been amazing. So before we dive into all of that, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Tell us who you are, what you do, and what is the one thing that would surprise people about Fastenal? Well, uh, my name is Chris Van Dalen. Um, in my uh, 17th year here at Fastenal, this is the uh, only adult career I've had since graduating college. Um, I've enjoyed it. I've gotten to do a lot of different things for, for our organization. And uh, right now, I'm our vice president of our Fastenal Onsite Solutions. Uh, so I cover really enterprise wide our, our program infrastructure around onsite, our onsite programs, as well as our business development teams in supply chain consulting practices we've stood up within the organization. As far as the one thing that would surprise people about Fastenal, I think there's a lot of them, but the company everybody sees, you know, with our trucks and our, our branch footprint, the things that are in front of everybody is not really what our organization is. Um, our organization is substantially more than that. It's a lot of uh, supply chain services and really the thing that might surprise people is that roughly a third, maybe a little over a third of our 3,200 business units operate mostly within our customer's footprint. So we are on site or have dedicated services for about 1,250 customers today. And that is why we are doing this series. And that's why we called it Not Just Nuts and Bolts, because like you said, a lot of people know Fastenal from your, your front-facing logo and brand, but they don't really know every part, every moving part that happens behind the scenes. And I am learning so much, and I hope that the audience is too. So let's talk about COVID-19. We touched on this, or I touched on this um, with Dan in episode one, but we're going to dive into it a little bit more in detail today. So to kick things off, the title of this episode is Bring Us Your Problems. So clearly you guys have been super busy innovating for your customers. And Dan and I talked about in episode one how problem solving is at the forefront of the company's values. So can you give us an overview of what kind of problems customers were coming to you with for help? Yeah, thanks, sir. I, I think the easy answer is, you know, finding them PPE and janitorial supplies and sanitation supplies, you know, help and sourcing and finding products that, you know, really became over bit unavailable in the market seemingly overnight. Those things have been in front of the consumer. They've been in front of businesses. And I think everybody has, you know, mobilized their resources to the best of their ability to, to really go out and find product and, and capacity to, to make product. Some of the problems we saw early on, and if you go back to the January, uh, late January, the February timeframe, where you're hearing a little bit more about the 
the situation in, in China and Southeast Asia specifically, um, the disruption around the supply chain became a, was a lot more for us around uh, OEM components, items that our customers had that they needed for production midsummer, fall. And the issue became around plant shutdowns there really before we are ever talking about COVID-19 in the U.S. as an issue to shutting down domestic production. Um, those needs uh, became urgent, you know, as you're coming out of the Chinese New Year and facilities not opening up and capacity not opening up, yeah. finding alternative sources, ensuring transportation of goods. And really, our customers were coming to us, not with just problems around that, but us, you know, really partnering to find other sources in other countries and other manufacturers. I think um, there's other problems since then that have that have sort of showed up as business here in the U.S. has started to reopen as well. You know, you think about shortage of product and, you know, the cost that comes with short of a product, not just in piece price and the transportation to get it there and the expediting of getting product. But when there's a shortage, the waste around product becomes extremely important as well. So something right. an organization might never think of controlling, like toilet paper, like masks, like, you know, nitrile rubber gloves, those things become critical use items and need control. So how do you put solutions in place, controls in place to stop hoarding, product mix use, even things like theft when items become in short supply? So, you know, the, the problems become more than just the availability of an item. It becomes how you consume it, where you stock it, how much of it you're going to bring in. And then also organizational sort of hoarding and, and I don't want to say um, overconsumption, but I think every company is trying to make sure they have the products they need to keep their workers safe. So, you know, right now it's more about making sure we can distribute allocations correctly, ensuring that our customers are using those products correctly and that they're being, you know, obviously safe when they're going to work and, and we're helping them do that the best we can. Yeah, and I think one of the key points that you just brought up there and that we haven't really been been uh, speaking about when we're talking about shortages is waste. I mean, sustainability is on everybody's mind. Businesses are looking at different ways to reduce carbon footprint. But when we think about the shortages and what we've just gone through with COVID-19, we haven't really th we haven't really talked about the waste factor. We haven't really talked about the theft. And so that really brings in a, an even bigger dimension when we take a look at planning for the future or or what learnings we could take from from what we've gone through with COVID-19. Absolutely. You know, the you know, getting people back to work, right? And getting production and facilities or whatever they do, right, up and running is a, you know, everybody wants to get there and most organizations have got there. Keeping it going is the challenge. And obviously right. Workers getting sick is a risk to that, but also ensuring they have a sustainable supply chain for the products they need to keep that going is just as important um, to keeping manufacturing up and running. Yeah, I would agree with that. And so they need all kinds of support is really what we're talking about. And they need solutions that they can rely on. So why is it so important to have those trusted supply chain partners in place, to have those relationships before everything goes crazy and, and uh, it hits the fan? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, from Fastenal's point of view, we've been 
promoting and, and essentially selling, you know, our programs founded in, in collaboration and integrated business processes for most of the last well, 20 years. Um, our evolution, you know, from a fastener company and, and distributor of product to a supply chain management services company really is hinged on relationship building and the management of those relationships. You know, the, it comes in, you know, you build a lot of trust and rapport with your customers and those, those relationships end up becoming not just fruitful for fast and all, but also for the organizations we partner with, you know, supply chains have grown, they've expanded, they've evolved, obviously more complex, you know, they're, they're complex and they're, you know, just by their size in some cases, you know, in terms of, of the reach that opens up like a lot, of, a lot of variables people don't think about. And obviously COVID-19 being a, a, a major thing that we're talking about today, but those disruptions happen daily, weekly, monthly, and they yeah. increase in frequency and, and magnitude um, as the complexity continues to grow. So, you know, global sourcing and the reach it, it has put, you know, around business has increased the risk and, you know, weather and climate, obviously being a, a portion of that and geopolitical and social, economical, you know, obviously public health and pandemic trade and, and other environmental factors. All of those things together are causing disruption all the time. Okay. You, yeah. you know, six months ago, a year ago, 10 years ago. So to kind of get back to your question, the idea of partnerships supplier partnerships, integrated business processes, and really transparent sharing of information helps agility, helps planning, helps reaction. Because, you know, while I think if you think about the supply chain technology that's been put in place and machine learning and AI and all the things that have driven, you know, automation, that's all great. All chasing ultimate efficiency around running the supply chain, the loss of the human element in that is the loss of agility and the reaction to things that are disruptive. Understanding, mm -hmm. you know, great data comes out, great information comes out about this disruption. What's the, where are the decisions being made? Those aren't necessarily being made by machines. They should be made by people. And when the partners in the supply chain are close to those decisions, they're better decisions. They're more cost effective, they're more impactful, and they're more sustainable. So, you know, I, I see the partnerships um, and the idea of really being a preferred customer. You know, we have customers <laughs> that we're tight with. And I think the same would be said for the, the companies that we buy from, the places we source product in terms of how our relationships evolve there. So partnership in the supply chain for us, you know, as a distributor, as a buyer and reseller of goods has to be obviously good and continuing to get better in both directions. And that's how things will continue to evolve and become more efficient. Uh, yeah. And I'm glad that you shared that because it's a really a reflection of not only the people that work for Fastenal, but also Fastenal as a brand itself, understanding that your partners and your suppliers would do the same that you would do for your partners and your customers. And I think, you know, it, that goes into what I always say is collaboration is the future of business. Communication is going to be a key in that. And the human element, bringing in that creativity and that strategy 
um, just rounds all of that out. Now, originally, when um, you came on to introduce yourself, you were talking about on-sites. And that's just one of the solutions that Fastenal provides to the industry. So, And it's very different from others in the industry. So can you tell us a little bit more about how that business model works for different kinds of customers? Yeah, uh, be happy to. And um, could talk a long time on this, but I'll try to keep it concise because it's uh, fairly passionate about it. You know, how is sort of the same across our customer base. The how is, you know, we have a fairly defined process in which we'll go in into an organization and sort of do an assessment or an evaluation of, of their supply chain, the current state, and really what we call a total, co- total cost of ownership analysis. Really, the foundation that's back to the previous question is it really starts with a great relationship with that customer. And if somebody's going to let you look under the hood to the degree that we need to um, to really understand what's going on in their in their business and within their um, supply chain, it, it has to start in that trust and, and great relationship. Um, but the results about the other end is some level in our onsite model of dedicated resources. And that looks and feels and smells a lot different depending on the company that we're working with and ultimately what their unique goals and needs and objectives look like. Um, you know, each customer has a unique set of needs from the supply chain. Um, think about a few different types of organizations that we work with and how things function a little bit differently. If you look at design, build, uh, sort of manufacturing, um, there's a company in uh, I believe it's in Texas that we work with. They make large valves for oil and gas. Um, and they're not standard items. They're not built into a catalog. They're taking an order from a customer that's based on you know what they're putting together. It's a unique product. Um, it gets designed. It gets quoted. It gets a lead time. And, and then it gets, you know, the bill of materials gets sent out. And, and we're, we're part of that operation. Customers looking for ways to improve their lead time. Well, if the first time we're seeing the need for a specific printed item or a unique item to print item for that customer is the day that the demand is generated in their ERP system. And it's probably not even then. It's whatever the we quoted as lead time. But if really the first time we're really seeing the demand for that item and getting it ordered, well, it's whatever the lead time is that we quoted. You know, right. to go out and get it and, and get it to the customer. Um if we're at the point of design, if we're in the position where we're injecting ourselves in engineering and saying, well, if you use this, not that, if um, we know about this item and there's a lead time need from the customer, maybe we can be you know, out in front of when that item's loaded in the ERP, gain two, three, four weeks, and we can start to shorten some of the lead times. And now you're impacting their ability for capacity, their delivery to their customer, ultimately their satisfaction in dealing with that organization. That's one end of it. The other end of it could be, you know, a situation where you have high volume automated assembly. There's the same thing all day, every day, getting put together by a combination of people and machines. And it's obviously you can't run out. The other part is, is it's, it should be highly automated, right? In terms of order points, how demand's generated, and then ultimately the quality in an automated production environment matters a ton. You can't have screws that don't have the right recess in the head, you know, 
machines don't like those things, consistency in product. In the middle, you might have somebody who's really driving a an, an operation where up, you know, machine town time is the number one KPI that has to be managed just because the per, you know, the output matters so much to the overhead and the capital invested that it's that two or three or 4% of machine downtime improvement is the difference between okay and great. Well, how you run the supply chain and the things you put in place to ensure maintenance people have machines up and running at the optimal rate, those are all different types of supply chains. And the solutions that we deploy, whether it's point of use or it's line stocking or it's high control or it's just a really great program around spares and OEM spares and, and maintenance items. Um, that's how we really make it different and make it useful and mostly not just efficient, but really relevant to each customer we interact with. Yeah. And you're really getting involved in what's going to help them be successful in the eyes of their customer. And I think that that is really key when you're looking to work with a partner, especially in different aspects of the business as well, um, and the important part that they or the role that they play in how they deliver to that end consumer. So I'm glad that you shared that with us and you you gave us a, an idea of what that looks like. Do you have, and, and you gave us a, a real life example of what that looks like, obviously in the OEM space as well. So we're going to come back to COVID right now because we talked about Fastenal's focus on local presence in the last episode. And we'll be looking at that again in episode three, but specifically with regards to COVID. How did that local presence and decentralized decision-making help you to be agile and responsive for not only Fastenal, but also your customers? Yeah, you know, people ask me a lot of times what the, you know, the secret is at Fastenal. And, you know, I always say it's, you know, our people and where they are physically meaning in the communities and the markets they serve and what we empower them with, which is decision-making. Um, it's what makes us great. Uh, it, it gives us an advantage um, in speed. And I think we all know that there are times that speed is, is the ultimate um, you know, asset in terms of moving business forward. Your ability to do something today pretty good versus – tomorrow really great sometimes today pretty good is what we need to do and and our thought process around that is we can let people make mistakes you know and we'll learn mm -hmm. from them and they're gonna i mean geez um i've been allowed to make tons but you know the it, it's it's not about the mistakes you make it's about the wisdom it creates in the organization not duplicating them and learning from others and what's worked and what doesn't work and um our speed around those things has made us, you know, gotten us ahead. The ability to have really 12,000 people on the field. You know, if you think it's fast and all 20,000-ish, a little more employees and, you know, over 70, I think 70% is the number in the field and roughly 12,000 of them actually physically work in an in-market location on-site or, or branch. Um, you know, those people out there taking their customers' need, you know, seriously – and personally, um, and, you know, adapting what they need to do that particular day around those customers. Um, and they expect the mass maximum effort from them. That's why we're there. We're there with maximum effort and, 
and concern, not just concern, but thought for what their needs are in their business. Their success is what drives ours. So, you know, when we get in a situation whether and it's whether or not they can build widgets, we'll do whatever we can to make sure they can. And, you know, we've got 12,000 people that <laughs> right, wrong, or indifferent don't ever want to say no. And we'll, right. we'll take it to the ends of the earth to figure it out. Now, unfortunately, sometimes that doesn't always, you know, work out. Sometimes we aren't able to, you know, deliver, especially at a point of time where everybody in the world is looking for, you know, nitrile gloves. You can't get them to everybody, but at the, but we're always going to try and we're always turning over every leaf and every rock to find um, the solution for our customer for a particular need. Yeah. And I think one of the most important things that you talked about was how the company allows you to make mistakes. And I talk about this a lot as we move forward. Obviously, you know, a lot of things are changing and things are changing very quickly. And so how do you foster innovation and how do you evolve the company? Well, it's, it's by embracing your team's ideas and letting them try different things, but Knowing that you have the capacity to, um, if it doesn't work out, to pivot very quickly. And I think that's where your local and global business strategy, as combined with the fact that you allow your, your teams to really try different things to come up with the solutions for the, for the customers, is really unique. Yeah, I think um, founding principle of our organization you know, we have a unique culture here. There's no doubt about it. Um, our founder, Bob Carolyn, you know, he he wanted to empower people at all levels of the organization, not just to make decisions and, and learn from the decisions you make, but also to be part of innovation. And, you know, it takes certain types of people to want to do that. And we're obviously always looking yeah. for those types of people that fit our culture and our values. But, um the concepts of, you know, teamwork and innovation and ambition and integrity, those are um, the things that sort of we were looking for. And, and that, you know, when people do mess up, number one, they, they own it, right? You know, it's on me or, you know, we'll help figure this thing out. The, the back end of that is we're, we're all a little bit better tomorrow because um, we're learning from it. And then we also do a pretty darn good job as a company of passing on the things that work well. Uh, I think that's the the other thing that that we've we've really done well in the last six months. Um, it's become more and more transparent to us as we've shared. But we find a source, or we find an op- or something that has worked, or or found an area of need, and we've done a really good job of sharing that information throughout the company. Yeah, and I can vouch for that because in the process of working with Fastenal to create this mini series, I've I've seen that in every interaction that I've had, you know, with the company and with the teams and the different stakeholders that I've had the pleasure of dealing with. And I really like how you use the word empower. I think that that is such a strong word and we need to use it more often. So I want to talk a little bit about your last mile. Um, from what I'm hearing that you do this completely different from others in your field. And so let's talk about that. Why do you do it differently? What does that look like? And, and maybe what can we, what can we learn from, from how you do that? Yeah. I mean, you look at the industry and it's, it's broken up, um, in the industrial supply industry and it's broken up into a kind of a, 
a few different service models and from kind of full integrated supply type a procurement outsourcing and to the buy through an online platform or pure EDI type transactions and ship from a centralized warehouse. Um, that spectrum, you know, does really well, you know, in terms of serving all of the needs of the market um, in a lot of different ways. The challenge in it is you can't consolidate your supply chain and have the best of all, of all those ends um, because it, that doesn't really exist today. Uh, if you're going to consolidate your supply chain and partner with somebody and drive spend and collaboration and great relationships through a partner, how do you kind of serve the needs of different types of demand throughout your business where automation and in supply is really needed because it's consistent it's you know the demand is is very known or it's on the other end of things very erratic and needs a lot of human touch the old toyota you know human touch automation with human touch thought process that you know was kind of the best way um we believe the infrastructure that we've built you know the branch footprint um and our in-market presence of a really customer-tailored inventory provides a higher level of value to our customer than than others can provide. Um, you know, getting back to the speed thing, you know, unplanned spend, we have product in market. We have the ability to go find it in the market if needed. Um, put the burden of sort of disruption on Fastenal's shoulders rather than on the customer. Um we're really good at managing things that are inexpensive and small and insignificant, um, seemingly to production of goods. Um, if you look at any process flow, you know, in terms of the opportunity for improvement and you start looking at it on paper and it says, Oh, it seems pretty efficient. It seems pretty good. It's hard to provide solutions and, and put continuous improvement um, strategies in place when you can't see in the cracks where all the right. opportunity exists, yeah. right? You don't, yeah, it goes from receiving to the central storeroom to the point of use. Well, what you don't see is how many times it gets lost. What you don't see is how many times it gets touched. And what you don't see is when it gets damaged or, you know, it doesn't get allocated correctly when it gets checked out. The, the opportunities in the cracks, and it's you can only see it by being there. And our people and how we train them in the business um, <laughs> is to look for those things. Um, not only what's being used. You know, the, <laughs> you know we <laughs> in, the, in our company, a couple of things, sight, sounds, and smells that get us excited from the opportunity for revenue, right? You know, That's awesome. Things get, <laughs> things get bolted together, the smell of cutting fluid. You know, the, the sound of, of manufacturing, I think gets us all, you know, it sounds like money to us, right? Those are, those are fun things to hear and see and smell. But, you know, when you really start to dig in, you walk into a facility, we start looking beyond the sparks and beyond the weld smoke and beyond the um, kind of the, the sounds and sights into what is going wrong, where there's um, overstocking, where there's wasted movement, where there, you know, all these things. And, um, the more our, our people in the field are trained to look for those things, well, obviously the more business opportunities we're going to get as a company, but also the more value our customers are going to experience and deal with Fastenal. Um, 
you know, we're a facilitator of continuous improvement. Um, that is core to what we do. And, you know, the it kind of gets back to that whole thing. If we're going to impact a customer's P&L, not just in cost, like piece price or even, you know, softer costs around procurement or anything like that. If we're going to actually be able to go in and Im improve output, short lead times, like we discussed before, um, and have an impact on their customer's experience and doing business with them, then we need to be there. And if we're not, then we're, we're going to miss out on those opportunities. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that especially in supply chain. And when you're looking at that part of the business, I think you've always got continuous improvement at top of mind. And to think that you've got somebody out there that's looking at it from the same angles or maybe different angles, but also keeping in mind continuous improvement, um, you know, makes you makes the job a lot less lonelier <laughs> and somebody that you can lean on to really uh, fill those cracks and those gaps. So let's talk about the future. What can we learn moving forward then? Can we future-proof our supply chains through solutions like point-of-use inventory management? Well, um, I think with more IoT-driven solutions, you know, things that are data-driven at the point of consumption that can teach us about micro-demand within a facility and, and how it functions to roll up to more macro demand for products. I mean, that that certainly helps, right? And, and putting controls like we talked about before around certain types of consumption helps us. Um, but, you know, it kind of goes back to the thing we talked about at the beginning. The, the thing that's going to, in my opinion, future-proof supply chains, you know, is supplier integration, tighter partnerships. You know, those are the key. You think about the things that, have and have not worked well, you know, in terms of how people have managed supply chains. Um, the low cost uh, sort of single source, you know, supply chain was pretty stable until something, you know, kicks it over. And then all of a sudden it's, what are we going to do to fix this? A lot of cost, a lot of you know, anxiety, a lot of short-term buys trying to fill in, and there's a lot of wasted energy along those things. I think future-proofing is constantly looking to other sources and having somebody helping you constantly look towards other sources to reduce cost, not just in specific product, but how they're consumed and how they're used. So um, in my opinion, that's the, the key to future-proofing is to being close to your suppliers and, and partnered with them. Yeah, and I think the last six months have kind of shown us how important that is. I mean, like I said earlier, I always talk about how collaboration is the future of the of, of business and of supply chains. And I just don't see success moving forward without that. Um, you know, traditionally, everything's been siloed. And, you know, now we're taking a look at partnerships that we never even thought were even possible. So finally, what do you think the future is going to hold for supply chain over the next few years? And how will Fastenal continue to innovate and evolve along with it? So one thing that I've noticed, um, you know, since I've gotten in this position, you know, the supply chain is is really emerging as a mainstream driver of business performance. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, like never before. And I, in the last six months has accelerated that because if you think, if, if you look at 
you know, the public, you know, they're out there, you know, listening, whether it's to a White House press report or whatever on the supply chain around N95 masks or ventilators. They have no concept of why that, they, why can't, we should just have more N95 masks. Why would we not have them? You know, right. they, they get into this, they don't understand the capacity and the components that go into it. There's a long list of reasons why we don't have them. And, and that's a, um, that's a function where I think it's it's certainly elevated the the supply chain is obviously a, a business process, but also gotten people more curious about it. You know, the importance, it's obviously, like I said, it's going to be a main business driver, but also, you know, the Fastenal, we're going to continue to get closer to our customers. We're going to continue to figure out um, additional ways to support them through whether that's integrated procurement, um, different ways we can monitor assets, different ways we can monitor life cycle of products um, and you know, whether that's for repair or replacement, um, different ways that we can provide data around consumption, um, eliminating waste, all of those things together, I think really help us from, you know, getting into the future of supply chain. Um, but it becoming more mainstream, it becoming something that drives business performance, I think is good for organizations like us because we're well positioned to partner and help support some of those main business processes moving forward. I would absolutely agree. And I think that this, I'm glad that we did this episode and we talked about, you know, the different components of supply chain that you are revolutionizing really, you know, with your on-site product. And then also when you talked about the last mile product as e-commerce grows, last mile is becoming really, really important. And I hope that the audience can learn, you know, from the discussion that we've had today, not only about what Fastenal has to offer, but also in how you have created the culture, how you've created um, the strategy around your last mile and what that not only means to you as an organization, but also to your customers. As an expert consultant, a logistics company, a technology provider, and a distributor of industrial and construction products, Fastenal is many things to many different customers. With approximately 3,200 in-market locations supported by a global distribution network and expert teams, Fastenal works with commitment and passion towards its common goal of growth through customer service. For more information about Fastenal, check out their website, Fastenal.com. That's F-A-S-T-E-N-A-L.com. Thank you, Chris, for joining me on the show today. Oh, you're welcome. It was my pleasure to be here. It was a really interesting look at how collaboration and agility are key to surviving crisis now and in the future. Don't forget to join us again next week for episode three of our Not Just Nuts and Bolts mini-series in partnership with Fastenal, where we'll be talking to Sam, Senior VP of Strategic Accounts, about Fastenal's different divisions and the power of locality. <laughs>